When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Watching football, not watching the Longhorns. They took the weekend off. Not watching the Cowboys. They'll play tonight. There was a lot of weird stuff in college football, pro football. Upside down day in the National Football League yesterday with the uh, two remaining undefeated teams. No longer. No longer. That's how football go? That's how football go. And who would have thought? On the road at Cleveland, on the road at the New York Jets. Eagles and Niners go down. You thought they'd... Uh, Backup quarterbacks. To back up quarterbacks back and a third QBs, stringer in Cleveland. Third string QBs. Man, I, yeah. It just I, I, I wouldn't have predicted that. The Jets. And the Jets are founding, they're finding their form a little bit. And they know on. how to win now with post Aaron Rodgers, which I don't know that was post. I mean, he went down the first I think when you watch the Jets series. now, you think, man, if Aaron Rodgers had stayed healthy, they would be pretty good. I mean, they look like it. Their defense is salty. Yeah. Um, and then last night on sun, Sunday Night Football, the dang Bills nearly lost to the backup quarterback, New York Giants, who couldn't execute from the one-yard line at the end of each half. Yeah, you lose a game your... that they probably should have won, and Brian Dayball's team not very good. But yeah, you they should think back the quarterback game. right, too, man. Everybody, what, what are we in, six weeks into the season now? Yeah. Well, and we've already seen how many backup quarterbacks? A bunch of them. Like but five or six already? Um, you know, just try, you know, the, the NFL power polls will be out tomorrow after the Cowboys play the Chargers. I don't know, man. I mean, it's still the Niners. It's still the Eagles, but... Neither. That's it's an up and down league. It's a it's a tough business week to week in the National Football League. Just think, just when you think you know something, you don't. Injuries are a big part of that too, though. Like <laughs> we just talked about the quarterback position and Christian McCaffrey and Debo going down. You know, my man Shannon had the perfect kind of Frankenstein monster of multiplicity <laughs> there with the San, with San Francisco 49ers that nobody could figure out a way to to solve and defend. Well, when you lose. Two of your most versatile chess pieces in D-Boy and Christian McCaffrey. Offense, not so scary anymore. Not yeah, so scary. And still, the Niners, if they're kicker, their rookie third-round pick, third-round pick rookie kicker, Jake Moody makes a kick. They still win that game, 20-19, to 19, despite the injuries and despite nice. the ugly nature of the game. Very true. And if Jalen Hurts doesn't throw that interception with 146 to go against the Jets, what's he doing? Uh, if you're an Eagles fan, that's what you're saying. But uh, Cowboys get a chance to shine tonight. Of course, they... Did not shine in primetime last Sunday night. Now they get the uh, Chargers mm. tonight in a big one. Uh, but obviously the the star of the day and the night were the Texas Rangers. Let's get to your headlines. Uh, that big series down in Houston goes to Texas to start it. <laughs> Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the news. And, yeah, what a performance by the Rangers last night. The All-Texas ALCS opened up last night down in Houston. And in a matchup packed with All-Stars, it was a trio of really unheralded Rangers that helped push Texas to a 2-0 win and a 1-0 advantage in the best-of-seven series. 21-year-old rookie Evan Carter 
doubled and scored in the second inning. It was a hustling double and then scored on a Jonah Heim hit. He also made a pair of tremendous defensive plays in left field, won a double header, the double play in the eighth inning, uh, saved extra bases off the bat of Alex Bregman and threw out Jose Altuve back at first base. And after it was overruled, ruled that he did not touch second going back. And another unheralded hero for the Rangers last night, nine-hole hitter Leody Tavares hit a solar homer in the fifth inning. And that was all the offense Texas would need thanks to Jordan Montgomery. Of course, he was the other trade deadline acquisition for Texas when they acquired Max Scherzer. They also acquired uh, Montgomery from St. Louis. He got the game one start last night and outdueled Houston Ace and future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander in the 2 nothing win. Handcuffed the Astros for six and two-thirds innings, struck out six, allowed just five singles. Montgomery and the uh, Ranger bullpen didn't allow a hit over the final five innings for a very happy Bruce Bochy. Both sides, uh, great pitching. Uh, we just found a way to get a couple of runs across the board, and uh, that was a difference in the game, obviously. But uh, um, you know, our guy was really good, Monty. Uh, uh, terrific job he did. Uh, he got in a couple jams there and found a way to get out of it. So I thought it'd be a low-scoring game. Guys played well. Our defense uh, was outstanding tonight. The kid Carter, I mean, what a game he had out there. And Marcus uh, at the end there, great play on that that uh, ball coming in. So, you know, we played well. Game two this afternoon, just after 3 o'clock down at Minute Maid Park. Nathan Evaldi gets the start for Texas. Fran Valdez for Houston. Also tonight, game one of the NLCS, Philadelphia. And the Phillies will host Arizona in L.A. tonight. Week 6 of the NFL wraps up with the 3-2 Cowboys facing the 2-2 two two Chargers. Monday Night Football, wild Sunday. As we mentioned, the final two unbeaten teams in the league lost as heavy favorites. While the Houston Texans move back to 500. How about down at NRG Stadium? The rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud threw for 199 yards and two touchdowns. While the Texans' defense stood tall and held on, they improved to 3-3 three three with a 20-13 win over the Saints. Eagles lost. Uh, suffered their first loss of 2023. They lost to the Jets. Four Eagles turnovers forced by that Jets defense, including three Jalen Hurts interceptions, the third of which led to a Brees Hall eight-yard touchdown run with 146 to go. That gave the Jets the win. And in Cleveland, we mentioned the 49ers had their regular season win streak stopped at 15. Rookie kicker Jake Moody missed a 41-yard field goal with six seconds remaining. Give the Browns a complete and unexpected 19-17 win. As uh, Rod mentioned, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey injured in that game. We'll know more about the extent of that coming up. Uh, today and into the week. College football pair of top 10 teams went down on Saturday. That means the Texas Longhorns bumped up a spot to number 8 in this week's AP Top 25 while enjoying the week off. Oregon, one of those top 10 teams to fall. They lost to now 5th-ranked Washington in the game of the weekend. 10th-ranked USC went down at 15th-ranked Notre Dame. Oklahoma was off as well. They dropped a spot uh, because Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State all win. They occupy the top 4. Washington is now number 5, so Oklahoma at six. Longhorns open as a 20-point favorite on the road this Saturday at the University of Houston. That's a 3 o'clock kick. Also, major props down at uh, San Marcos at Texas State. They rallied for a pair of touchdowns in the final five minutes Saturday night at Bobcat Stadium to claw past Louisiana Monroe 21-20. They improved at 5-2 and two on the year, headed into their bye week for G.J. Kinney. First, uh, that's the Bobcats' first five-win season since 2014, and they still have five more games to go. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. I saw on social media that um, a ULM player was accused of throwing a water bottle into the stands. Did you see that? No. Um, I'll have to find the story. It was, uh, yeah, so with the, with the Texas State, uh, at the Texas State game, but Texas State obviously found a way to win it. Apparently it got heated or something like that. I'll have to find the story, but, oh, yeah, here it is. Actually, right here, my man, yeah, uh, Kev Ciardello, who does a great job covering. He said, even more context, ULM wide receiver Tyrone Howell was escorted out 
because he threw a water bottle at the Texas State student section. <laughs> Potentially broke someone's nose. Witness said what? how threw first after pick six. Um, and then students responded with trash. This is allegedly the aftermath. Unbelievable. Yeah. I did not see that story. Now, I do know that Texas State had a big mm. crowd. They had a great crowd oh, no, down it, there. It got heated, apparently, because it's like a little thread here. It says, um, double birds from ULM offensive of tackle Keydrell Lewis getting the Texas State student, student section going. Beers thrown on the Warhawks, Warhawks sideline. ULM wide receiver Tyrone Howell stor- escorted out of the game. Yeah. So apparently it got heated, middle fingers being thrown, and then water bottles being thrown. There you go. Well, yeah, Texas State, okay, Texas State games. I got. I would just say that the Texas State games now because of the the Texas State team and the offense. All right, uh, I don't know if the defense has had the same turnaround, but the offense has better. won. The, it's the it, offensively. It is the biggest turnaround in the country offensively. It's, no. it's the best offensive turnaround in the country statistically. So it's worth price of admission there. But now the fans are passionate, too. I've got to bring how the fans, now they're all in. They, it, did, it did not take that fan base long to start showing their pride <laughs> for their team. Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite a turnaround for G.J. Oh, that's, that's a great sure. job by him, man. Uh, to, to, and they, they scored twice in the last 446 to, to steal the win. I mean, I, I remember – I made Texas State one of my pick fives, one of my favorite picks, and they yeah, were favored yeah. by sixteen and a half. And like, well, they're not covering that. I thought they were going to lose the game. Then you look up and they win it twenty-one to twenty. What a comeback! I did not know about the water bottle incident, but that's terrible. Uh, but they do have; they are getting really good crowds. They're five and two now. They're Great off crowds, this week, man. and uh, you know, a lot to like. I mean, it was a crazy weekend. I mean, starting with that Colorado Stanford game on Friday night that you went to bed, I went to bed. You said your wife was up breastfeeding your baby. My wife was up breastfeeding. She, she started watching it. it. She's <laughs> like, oh, because she I guess she like scrolls Twitter and stuff when she's up in the middle of the night. She was like, oh, because that game was on. I mean, it started like at what, like nine our time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was a late game. It started really, really late because Dion was complaining about that. And yeah, if you watch the first half, you're like, all right, I'm going to sleep on that. And oh, one was like. You know, Dion doing it again. And then, I know. then you wake up and you're like, what? They I was lost mad at wife. I was like, why didn't you wake me up? She's like, I don't know. She's like, I'm thinking you wanted to sleep. I was why like, this, why is it well, a game? I'm waking up anyway for the kid all, every time, you know, every three or four hours. Why don't you wake me up? I wanted to see the rest of the game. But turns out she said it was great. Yeah. Fun to watch. So. Well, in Stanford, as we said, the kid, the, the receiver, hadn't had didn't have a catch oh. in the first half. He ends up with 13 Elick? catches. Elick is his name? Yeah, Elick. Oh, remember the name. I, Ayamanor? Ayamanor, yeah. Ayamanor, I'll make sure I remember Sophomore that name. out of, Dude. he's from Canada. And, you know, lightly recruited player, but man, big dude, 6'2", 6'3", 210 pounds, and he just took over the game. I don't know that we've ever seen this before. I mean, we can we find another example of a player who didn't have a single catch in one yeah. half and then I, ends the game with 13 catches with 200. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't think of the top of my head, I'm sure, research well, He's only wise. got like 500 yards receiving for the season, so he, he Half of up. that was in one game. Yeah, That's in one, one half of one game. <laughs> I'm like, Dion, you're a shutdown corner. You can't got you can't figure out a plan to shut that one guy down. That was Come unreal. On. I didn't watch unreal. it, so I can't really comment. I just know that at the end of the day they had seventeen <laughs> penalties, Colorado. Wow. Look if you fall apart like that, it's a collapse. It's a, mean, it's, it's, a, a yeah. it's a coaching staff collapse. Yeah. It's a player collapse. Yeah. On every level. On every, every level. Fa- every phase had to contribute to uh, something like that. That's, and really to let yeah. one player go for three hundred yards and a half? Yeah, you need to get on your defensive coordinator at that point. Defensive coordinator needs to be called into the office and we need to have a conversation. Conversation about when did you uh, did you did you have a, an adjustment and and why didn't it work? What was your adjustment to this guy going off and why didn't? It work? Now they do have arguably the best, uh, one of the best corners, best two way players in the country. And, Travis and you said they put Travis Hunter on them, yes. And that probably was the adjustment. And when they that didn't work, they were like, 
holy Chicago, I don't know what to do. Usually that guy just solves our problem, and he did not solve the problem. Yeah, so that Elick, was like it. A.O. Maynor, okay? Can Elick, I give you his, his output name? this year? Um, <laughs> previous yards per game against Oregon, 39. Arizona, 41. Sac State had a big 89-yard game. Ooh, big USC, big 11. Nah. Hawaii, 27. Colorado in the second half, 294 and three scores. How? One of these things that's not like the other. Like, what the? Yeah, one like the, what happened I, there? I'm sure even Dion's going, who is this guy? Yeah, well, but he's got his own, hey. I mean, 17 penalties. By the way, out of, 100, name. out of 133 teams now, <laughs> Deion Sanders' team is the uh, most penalized team in the country. So they're undisciplined. Yep. That's pretty uh, obvious. I think they're 130, either 132 or 133. I got to double check this morning. They, but. they, they got a lot of holes. What, they did, what he did improve on was Deion Smart. He got the quarterback. That's his son, so it made it easier. But when you get the quarterback, uh, it can cover up a lot of issues, it can cover up a lot of inefficiencies, and cover up uh, a lot of voids, talent voids on the team. Because Colorado, I, just, I brought up the Texas State um, stat that Texas State has the most improved offense in the country from last season uh, 20 points per game improvement, which yep. is huge. Uh, Colorado's third at 17.6. Uh, so th- that's really that's what we're talking about is the improvement offensively. But lines of scrimmage-wise, defense, and you just talked about the penalty. So the culture 29-point lead that you <laughs> end up giving up and losing that game, so a 29-point collapse. One guy. That just shows you that the culture's not necessarily there yet either. No, he ain't got the culture One year in, but still, yeah. I mean – you, you know, praise them when they're good, and then obviously point it out when they don't do very well. That was a that was one they got away for sure because they still have a tough schedule to go at Colorado. Uh, so yeah, it was just a weird weekend. I mean, it was just like things you don't expect. I mean, no one expected a twenty nine. You know that comeback. No one. I mean, I don't know. I, I got what I expected from Washington, Oregon. That was sat the one and that, that it went the way you thought it was going to go. And and Dan Landing losing his mind on fourth downs. I mean, it's just like I get it. You're trying to outscore this team, but if you watch the game, uh, this is where you know young coaches sometimes in my mind. Look, just just take your point. Too stubborn. Uh, because, you know, Washington as expected with game day there and that whole scene and everything that went on in Seattle. I mean, they came out, scored 14 first quarter points. They had eight more in the second. But it did feel like midway through the second quarter that Oregon's defense got a hold of it and got, got, you know, got, got a good control mm-hmm. of the game. Because it looked like Washington was going to boat race them and, and you know put first, up sixty points. Yeah, first quarter. God, half, yeah. But they got they got their hands around it, and that's where your coach has to help you, man. Just take your points. Just get, get you know. I know you're feeling like it's going to be a shootout, especially when you add to the fact that Landing did it last year in the same game where he, you know, went for it on a fourth down play in his Paid own in his own territory and it got beat. Mm. Um, so that's a huge win for Washington to get through that one. We'll see where they go with Michael Penix now into the to the you know with Caleb Caleb Williams. Another thing that was unexpected. Poor performance by him. Meltdown. One thing you'd always expect from USC is that Caleb Williams would be great. He was not, and they got beat pretty good by Notre Dame on Saturday night. So Michael Penix is now, you know, else is in that Heisman debate, Rod, is Dylan Gabriel. Well, now he is, yeah. Yeah, for Texas, sure. Because that Texas game, and he's been, he, he was off this week just like And it's like kind Texas, of a, so. an interesting parallel with Oklahoma, right? I mean, Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel followed, you know, his offensive coordinator to Oklahoma where he, you know, he played at Central Florida, Michael Penix. Followed uh, Kalen DeBoer from Indiana to Washington, so both of those players have been in there, both in their in the same system for their whole careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just two different schools, and obviously Michael Penix has battled injury, um, but but he and Dylan Gabriel, sixth year players, both playing at a very high level. Washington's at number seven, Oklahoma's at number eight. They're both undefeated, and they're in the conversation. Right, you get to this point, Rod. If you were Texas, Oklahoma, 
Oklahoma six, I should say. Washington seven. Excuse me. Washington's five now. Washington's up to five. They were seven mm-hmm. when the game kicked off on Saturday. They're up to five. They're right ahead of Oklahoma at six. But those two teams are, because you know, Penn State plays Ohio State this weekend. Michigan will play Ohio State. Florida State's going to have to play in North Carolina down the road. You keep winning, and Texas is in the same boat. If you just win your games, teams are going to get bumped off in front of you. Uh, all you're trying to do is get into that Final Four. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, for Texas and Oklahoma, I think for Florida State, North Carolina, just in those situations, Pac-12 is going to cannibalize each other. Washington's got a chance now to be the team that really sets themselves apart in the Pac-12, even though it's still going to be a tough Pac-12 championship game, whatever that's going to be. And you still got Utah left on that schedule. Utah, yeah. uh, Utah. If Utah gets Cameron Rising back, they could end up being a problem. Yeah, they, they beat Cal this weekend. Yeah, unlike they've been all year long because they've been doing it with a backup quarterback. Um, but I think you could get Big 12 and the ACC end up being kind of de facto uh, quarterfinal matchups, whoever wins those. If, the, if Texas, Oklahoma, and if North Carolina and Florida State stay on this path and take care of business, those, the winner of those championship games will immediately be catapulted to the college football playoff. There'll be two spots right there, yeah. automatic. And then Pac-12, like I said, depending on if Washington can keep rolling, I mean, Washington can write their own ticket too. There's some other team could play spoiler, but I don't know if they would have the resume. USC now left losing to Notre Dame. Uh, Utah's already got a loss on their resume too, right? It's, yeah. I don't know if there, any other well, team about, now, so now with Oregon losing too, I don't know if any other team has the resume. I don't know if you saw this, Rod. Arizona beat Washington State in Pullman like 44-6. to six. I missed that. Yeah, Arizona. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Arizona's playing be- much better. That's a good point. It's not. It's not an easy win. I know. It's no easy win. I anymore. mean, they went to Washington State and beat them like a drum, like not close. I mean, weird weekend of football. But I will say this: Oregon for me kind of parallels Texas, that they both because because Oregon at the end of the day kind of outplayed Washington. They outgained them by a hundred yards. Uh, just the fourth down decisions mm-hmm. and the coaching decisions. That some would say that with Sark, right? I mean, the the Longhorn mistakes, but then Sark's. Oh, he didn't milk the clock at the end. Yeah, the clock game management. management, clock management. And yeah. Oklahoma won the game, like Washington won the game. But I don't think Oregon or Texas are out of it at this point, as far as you know the no. big picture. Um, but you know, you, you gotta you gotta take your points where you can. You gotta manage the clock better. If you're Sark, the end. You gotta get your team to to clean up some of the you know the penalties and the and the turnovers, which kind of was out of character for Texas. But uh, really good football. And now this week, as we said, Rod, you get Penn State and, and Ohio State, which is another one of those kind of judgment games in Columbus, uh, top three versus number, number three versus a, number six. That's a good comparison, though, about Dan Lanning and Sark because, you know, Dan Lanning, I think his feel, I was talking about coaches and their feel of the game, mm-hmm. his feel of the game was a little bit off. I understood the, the decisions to go for it early because I think that was based on his game plan was to be aggressive. He knew it could end up being a shootout, and he knew he'd have to kind of match score with Washington at high-powered offense. But in the fourth quarter, once, like you said, you've recognized your defense can make some plays and you've kind of felt where the game was going, then you got to take the point. So I don't mind the decision to go for it early. But, yeah, after all those failures right, and the, fail, uh, uh, the failed conversions on fourth down early on in the game, then when you got a chance to get the points in the fourth quarter after multiple uh, failed fourth down conversions, then take the point. So his feel of the game was off. I was like, man, well, don't you one- see where this thing is going? And Sark, too, I think Sark's feel of the game was off when his four-minute offense wasn't focused on being the last possession. Uh, his feel of the game well, in terms of watching Dylan Gabriel and observing that sample size that your defense may not hold up for 77 seconds. Well, they should was, have, but they didn't. Well, the decision in the fourth quarter I thought was, I don't know, this, I know a lot of people say it was the most indefensible. For me, it's the most defensible because it was he was either going to punt 
and give the ball back to Oregon. Ben said he went for it and didn't get it because he felt like if he could if he could get the first down, they could start to milk the clock and run the game out. But he kind of felt like if I if I punt or don't get it, there's a high likelihood with that quarterback they're going to go score on us. Mm-hmm. And he gave himself enough time. The, where I would disagree with Dan Lanning was not getting your points at the end of the first half and at the start of the third quarter. But either way, it was a great game. Just like Texas and Oklahoma, it was a riveting um, game. The game last night, baseball gripping as well. Uh, every pitch mattered. Every important moment mattered. That's what we expected. That's playoff baseball. That's the the, the ALCS. Uh, the Rangers just executed flawlessly. I mean, it's hard to find a, a mistake the Rangers made last night. I mean, the pitchers didn't make any, uh, didn't leave anything over mm-hmm. the heart of the plate. I, th- I think there were a couple. You know, with they, we have the pitch box now, Rod. You can see where the location of the pitches are, and you can see a bad pitch. And there were, I thought Alex Bregman took a couple that he should have because Alex is almost too patient sometimes. But man, the Rangers all night had the Astros swinging at their pitches, um, even even like good pitches on the corners that that you're not going to get great contact mm-hmm. on. Uh, Jordan Montgomery and then the bullpen didn't make many mistakes at all, and then the Rangers took advantage of the Astros' big mistakes. Um, you know the the play that Jose Abreu probably should have made. It hit his glove. He normally yeah. makes that play, goes under his glove. Not only is it a hit for Evan Carter, he takes it takes two because uh, Abreu slowed it down with his glove, and so he takes the second base, and that puts him in scoring position on the Jonah Heim hit, which again wasn't a hard hit, just through the right side, found a hole. And, um, you know, Evan Carter scores because of that, taking advantage of a mistake. And then, um, you know, the, the mis- one of the few mistakes Justin Verlander made was a, was a bad pitch over the heart of the plate to Leody Tavares. He drilled it, home run, that's 2 nothing. And then, obviously, in the eighth inning, the only— because remember, the Astros loaded the bases in the fourth inning, Rod, with the bottom of their order. They had three straight singles. And Martin Maldonado came to the plate with two outs, and uh, Jordan Montgomery pitched out of it. Mm-hmm. They didn't have another hit. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the game. It's crazy. That was it. They had five hits on the night. That was it. Because um, even in the eighth inning, it was an Altuve walk that put him at first base. And then Bregman gets a hold of one. Looked like it could be a, a big moment. And Evan Carter made the play. Stole it and took advantage of a base running error by Jose Altuve to double him off at first. And that was it, man. They yeah. extinguished whatever rally that was. And Rangers were locked in, man. They were really good last night. Uh, and if they keep that up, I know they've, they've been playing that way in the playoffs. They're I was going to say, they, now. This, 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 that didn't just happen against the Astros. No. That's been the way they've been playing the entire postseason, man. But they, they, it feels like Texas OU are one of these you know rivalry games. There's no secrets between these two. Um, they know how to attack one another. Uh, they know the sweet spots. And, you know, it's going to be execution. And uh, Rangers executed at a higher level. Because uh, part of execution, Rod, is, you know, not giving up, not making mistakes yourself. But then when your opponent does make even a small mistake, you take advantage Pounce. of it. Yeah. Pounce. Yep. And the Rangers did that to perfection last night. It was a great baseball game. I know a lot of people don't like 2 nothing pitchers' duels, but man, that was. It's just every pitch. Every, every pitch. Everything's matters. magnified. Yeah, everything's magnified. Everything's amplified. Yeah. And like you said, Astros didn't play a terrible game, but the Rangers played damn near a perfect one. They did. And I mean, again, if you go back and watch the pitchers, they didn't make mistakes in the middle of the plate. They had the Astros off balance. I mean, the way that Jordan uh, Montgomery neutralized Jordan Alvarez and struck him out three times because uh, he's been so locked in in this postseason and he's been a Ranger killer. Uh, that was that was really impressive. So props to Bruce Bochy and the Rangers. They take game one. Long series. Um, today becomes we very hope important. It's a though. long series. You know, today's, today's very important. <laughs> we hope it is. Uh, for the Astros fans. But, man, Rangers can, can take a stranglehold on this. But remember, Astros four games under 500 at home this year. 20, 20 plus on the road. So they're not going to be afraid to go into Globe Life. And, and they played very well in that ballpark this regular season and since that building opened. So uh, this is going to be a great series. I think that, I mean, if this series does not go six or seven games, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. But uh, Rangers throw the first punch and land the first punch.
mm. uh, with some under-heralded players yeah. making huge plays, and a lot of times that's how. Remember last year, Jeremy Pena was the MVP oh, of the ALCS yeah, and so the clutch. World Series. Yep, so clutch. That's how it goes, and no one would have picked that when the series began, but. Leody Tavares and uh, Evan Carter, the 21-year-old youngster. Hey, we'll come back. When we do, Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain, get a good look at the Longhorns coming off the bye week. Uh, Houston, the next opponent. Longhorns already a three-touchdown favorite. Is that too much? Rod will tell us next here on Hogan. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 101.9 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook him up with Ian Rod B on a Monday. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Plenty of good. For the top of the hour, we get some off the record, including Ty Henderson's trip to ACL Fest. You go Saturday or all weekend? It's just Saturday. Just Saturday. Need a highlight from you or two. Did you see the Foo Fighters? Uh, yes, but no. <laughs> he had the, he had the mind eraser again. So is that right? I was just pretty far back. I was alone at that point, trying to find people. So I was out of I your mind. And, the, uh, the Foo up. Fighters. Mm. You say it was dusty. It was, yeah. I needed a bandana. There you go. You said you're done with it, though. Like, you, you're just, over yeah, ACL now? No. That was like one of the last times you're going to be going, is what you're saying? Probably. Hey, the crowd, I, I feel like there used to not be that many people there. Everybody remembers that moment when you were done with ACL. <laughs> I remember when I was done with ACL, done with Southwest. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, you know what? I'm done. I'm not coming back here. It's never, I'm not going to prioritize this I anymore. Would still it's go. still a great event, but it's like, not for me anymore. I grew there out of it. Incredible I had lineup. that moment. I didn't, yeah. the, the lineup didn't do a ton for me. I know there's some good bands I would like to see, but yeah, it was just busy. Noah Khan. I'd never had heard of him before. He was pretty good. Young so, guy, yeah. Yeah, no con. Um, He's kind of a riser. Um, and that Mount Joy was good on okay. Saturday. But Mount yeah, Joy? It wasn't Mount Joy. Crazy. He went to Deep Eddie afterwards. Of course you did. Of course you did. Met some, uh, met some listeners of the show there. Nice. Hey, usually do. Nice. That's My always people, good. Man. We appreciate them. Uh, we appreciate you listening this morning, recapping the weekend, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Rangers really good last night. Astros need to get up off the deck today. Uh, still think this will be a great series. Cowboys. Looking to shine tonight. Hey, Rock, can I give you a good, though? Because we told you last week about Jim Schwartz and his ability to uh, handle Kyle Shanahan. And as you've said, it doesn't help when Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey get hurt in the first half. Both of them. Didn't have them for the second. but have uh, terrible injury love. 19-17. to 17. But how about this? Is uh, our man Chris Bennett. CB, happy birthday, Send CB. Happy belated birthday. I think it was Saturday. In this, Shout out, CB. And it says here, and this is the same insanely impressive pass-happy era in the NFL. The Browns have... Allowed just 1,002 passing yards this season. Fewest by a team through its first five games since 1970. Oh, nice. I mean, total yards, I should say. Total yards. Total yards. Oh, no, the Cleveland Browns defense is legit. It's a a top three defense in the league right now. They've allowed 1,002 yards in five games. They're like the anti-Dolphins. Like the, they're the, 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 the defensive answer to the Dolphins. It really is. With Miles Garrett. And, it, and look, Jim Schwartz doesn't do a lot of exotic. He plays a lot of man defense, Rod. And they've got a great secondary they, with Denzel Ward. And, and then, of course, technique and fundamentals are just really good. Yeah. They yeah. drill them. And, and Brock them. Purdy yesterday, again, two of his main weapons out for the second half, but he threw for 125 yards. Yeah. Also, first, you know, no Debo, no Christian McCaffrey, but uh, first time he's trailed in the fourth quarter for more than uh, I think it's two and a half, three minutes. He he had a two and a half stretch where he trailed in the fourth quarter in one of his starts, but this is the first time he's trailed in the fourth quarter um, for a long extended period of time, and he didn't look great. That's what people are saying like, how is he going to play when he's playing from behind? 
when he's got to go win you a game, um, well, and doing that without your two all-pros, or two of your all-pros, you still had Kittle <laughs> and Trent uh, and Ayuk, Williams. Ayuk had 78, 76 yeah. yards. He was the receiving, um, leading receiver. Yeah, but yeah, it, without that offense is way easier to defend without those well, uh, you, malleable take, chess pieces. Yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, you're, you're, the problem is, and you've talked about this all year, Rob, when Christian McCaffrey getting overused. Yeah, man. Their backup running back's guy named Jordan Mason. You ever heard of him? No. No, me either. He had he had five carries for twenty seven yards. Uh, no, but you know that Shanahan Ray system. Ray Ray McLeod. Yeah, Shay, Shanahan system. You don't need a beast now. Yeah, they don't have a backup running back. You got to wonder if they're looking for a running back on the market. If there is one before the trade deadline, no, because they they feel like they need one. Cowboys, I think, could still use a running back, but they they doubt him. They like doubt him. We'll see. They we see they that like Rico. They do. Rico. They, they do. Like um, I will say that I, I think Shano, there was a miscalculation. I think he should have tried to limit Christian because I don't think the injury is a part of the usage thing. Yeah, but I think that's going to come back to haunt him later on. Yeah, we'll the, see if he can stay, stay fresh yeah. when you need him the most, which is January, December into January. Damn right. Uh, but that's a great win. So the Browns are now 3-2. and two. They, they mean, P.J. Walker is their third quarterback. Is Sean Watson is still hurt. Yet they won that game. They <laughs> move over 500. And uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow on a Texans Tuesday, Rod. But the Texans got a big win yesterday too. Hold, held off the Saints. Still looking good. Got to good. twenty to ten and held on. C.J. Stroud and the Texans now three and three. Looking good, man. Uh, in their, you know, D'Amico Ryan's first. They just played with such a, a better energy than we've seen out of Houston. Intensity. The defense is better. C.J. Stroud's really good. Culture has definitely changed. It certainly has. And Dalton Schultz has been around. a big advantage and big, big, big get. Nico Collins. But boy, it was all about defense. I mean, the the the. Saints outgained them by 150 yards, but they bowed up uh, in the red zone over and over again. A lot of good defense being played in the NFL right now. This is I'll give you a stat: the NFL does not want to spread around because they don't like it. They like um, offense. Uh, yeah, exactly. Chicks dig the long uh, ball. Yes, uh, eight teams won this week without scoring more than 20 points. <laughs> Whoa! NFL does not like that. The NFL does, they they don't want they want teams winning, but they want teams to be scoring some points. The NFL scoring was down last year; is actually down to start this year too. But the NFL doesn't want you to worry about that. Just pay attention to Taylor Swift. Um, don't pay attention to the scoring being down. A lot of that is uh, the quarterbacks and stuff, too. But it's also defense. Defenses have, have have played better the last two or three years against all of these kind of offensive innovations, the rule changes. They've really settled, and I think there's been an evolutionary adaptation to the defense side of the ball, mostly with young DBs. Young DBs now are as good as they've ever been. I'm talking about first, second, third-year defensive backs. They've never been better. Think about how many young DBs right now are playing at an all-pro level. They just came into the league a couple of years ago, and you're like, damn, that guy's already an all-pro. It's, it's, a, it's a ton of them. Yeah. Well we, see, well, we see the Chiefs, right? Chiefs went from a bad defense Chiefs to got good them. real quick. Look at the Seahawks. Seahawks got two of them. Yeah. They got no, Tariq Woolen now for UTSA, and they got the kid uh, Witherspoon they drafted. Look at Sertain. Look at Sauce Gardner. I mean, they're everywhere. Well, tons and the, of them. And the, yeah, the Cowboys got a couple. Duran Bland's a really good one. Well, the Browns. The Browns with Browns Denzel Ward. I mean, I mean, think about that, Rod. You know, they've got no Deshaun Watson, no Nick Chubb in Cleveland. And to have a team, you're allowing 200 yards a game. That's it. 200 in 2023. That's How, crazy. That's, that's unbelievable. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right, Rod, let's go behind the burn orange curtain, little let's Texas talk, even off the bye week. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. I watched a lot of U of H. Not a lot. I watched enough. I'm going to watch some more uh, U of H later on this week. I'll probably get into some tonight, as a matter of fact, before I watch the Cowboys game. So I have some more nuggets. But there's no doubt, and you just brought up the number, E, 
Uh, I think the Longhorns are favored by 20 and a half points, something like that. So you're talking about a three-touchdown favorite uh, for the Longhorns in this game. And if U of H is going to try to pull the upset, they got to turn this game into a shootout. They got to turn every game into a shootout, just like they did the West Virginia game. That's how they're going to win games like that. They, and they, they're probably fine with just winning on the last possession. Not Hail, Hail Mary's, baby. Yeah, not Hail Mary style, but just because they can shoot out to the very end. That's their best, that's their best chance to win because their defense is, I'm being polite, it's bad. It's just bad. It's the uh, if you look at scoring defense, it's 14th in the Big 12. That's last, um, 107th in the country. Pass defense, the, it's 14th in the Big 12. That's last, 117th in the country. Uh, rush defense, a little bit better, actually 12th in the Big 12. So uh, you know, you know, not last, but it's at the bottom. And they're 99th in the country in rush defense. They should not be able to limit Texas very, very often. 14th in total, D. That's bad. They, exactly. They are, you, no matter which way you're looking at it, pass defense, rush defense, scoring defense, total defense. defense, it don't matter. They're bad. They should not limit Texas very often. I don't even know how Sark's going to game plan and attack them. He could reconcile to run the football and keep their offense off the field, which would probably be the most responsible way to beat U of H. You know what I mean? Just don't even let their high-powered offense on the field because the offense can't score. They got some weapons. About we'll get into that. Thirty points a game, yeah. Right? They're 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 really good offense, actually. I, I like their offense, but it's just the air raid offense. I like the receivers they got and Donovan uh, Donovan Smith. But we'll get to that in a second. But defensively, I don't even know e how Sark's going to attack it. He could run the football, play a little bit more ball control, and play keep away. Just keep that offense off the field. Keep your defense fresh. But we know Sark likes to throw. To open up the run, so sorry, I couldn't close with the run more. Uh, I, I think that's been more the case this season, but he could decide to just throw the football and hell rack up the points and get a comfortable lead early in this game. Not sure which approach he's going to have. He could go either. He could go either. I probably would decide to run the football more. I don't even want to expose my defense in any way, so I would probably try to run the football. Um, and throw it, but I think Sark's going to throw to open up the run. I would run it, and then I'd throw situationally because I think you can run it. You can get chunky artist plays, run the football on U of H, too. We've seen that from Jonathan Brooks anyway. Yeah. Um, but I would I would try to limit the exposure of my defense versus U of H, but maybe Look, Sark doesn't care about that. As a 20-point favorite against a team that is 114th in total defense, who we just watched West Virginia they had to win it with a Hail Mary. What Garrett Green, who's a kind of a oh, man. average went, quarterback, threw for 400. He went to that game, uh, <laughs> which had completing less than 55% of his passes. Yeah. He threw up. for three. He lit him up. 391. He's not, he's not a skilled, gifted passer. They no. just lit up that, that defense. Well, so. that, and Look, for Sark, to me, this and this is cliche from coaches, but it's about them. It's, uh, did, did, we, did, we help, did we work on our red zone? Did we, do we take strides in get, making our red zone offense better, right? We're, we're terrible at that right now. Got to get that fixed. Or do we tackle better in this game, in the open field? Because much like Oklahoma, you know, Dana Holgers is going to watch the Oklahoma tape and say, look, these guys aren't great in space. We're going to get the ball to our playmakers. You like the receiver core. We're going to. I like them. Well, we're going to be a pass first offense. We're not going to try to run the ball against Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. We're going to throw it and see and go fast. I mean, expect them to go tempo, Rod, just like U of H or just like Oklahoma did and kind of copy some of that and see how much better Texas got. During their bye week, because as you said, I mean, might have helped the Longhorns to play a, pa- a better quarterback ahead of the Oklahoma game. It exposed a lot of things. How much better did they get during the bye week? Yeah, I honestly, and I think Dana, because the offenses are linked, there is you know um, some conceptual um, commonalities between the veer and shoot because it's from the air raid tree and the actual air raid offense Dana Hogerson runs. 
I believe you'll see a lot of the very same concepts you just brought up. There's no way that U of H is going to try to run the football against a very stout uh, rush defense of Texas, especially right in the interior. So one thing they'll do, like Oklahoma did, they go to the non-traditional running game, which was really you know weaponized by the quarterback draw and Dylan Gabriel. Um, that was their big-time non-traditional quarterback running game, and it worked really well. Uh, we know Dylan Gabriel had his most uh, prolific rushing game as a quarterback in his career. I think Donovan Smith, by the way, I've already seen on film, he can run the quarterback draw. They run it. Um, they like to run him in the red zone. Remember, he can run a lot of power he's concepts. Big, he's a big quarterback. Because he's big. Yeah, we, remember we watched him at Tech. He ran yep. some very some power uh, elements in that short yardage, fourth downs with Texas Tech. He will um, extend the play, and he will look to – you know, scramble when he can and get yardage. I think he can present some of the same problems as Dylan Gabriel. He's not as high level as Dylan Gabriel, and he's not going to be as effective as Dylan Gabriel, but he can have the quarterback run game. They can use the quarterback draw. Um, he can scramble. He'll he'll throw, um, you know, he'll, he'll run to throw, I should say. He'll throw on the run. So when he's scrambling, sometimes it's just to, to extend the play. Um, so I think that's something you'll see because I think they're kind of they're going to try to replicate a lot of the things that Oklahoma did offensively. And you're right, E. Tempo. Why wouldn't you run tempo? It's naturally built into the DNA of the air raid anyway. So they're going to run tempo, but I think they'll prioritize it. They'll be extreme with it because it works so well, well to neutralize the pass rush uh, for tech uh, for Oklahoma against Texas in the Texas OU game. Well, and OU's got the number one scoring defense in the Big 12. Texas put up a lot of yards, but at the same time, you can go tempo if you trust your defense to get you back off the field. If you're Houston and you start going tempo and you can't get stops, that can become a problem You know, if you're going getting off the field Oh, they don't quickly. care about stops, though. I know. They don't. <laughs> They're going to have to get this a shoot. They, they want to make a shootout. Stop. They want to make a shootout. They, but I think what, not because not Dana Hogerson doesn't want to have a good defense. I think he knows playing complimentary football is a fool's errand right now. Your defense is so bad, you can't play complimentary football and try to win games. You just got to go win it with your offense. And that's why I'll get to the wide receivers really quickly before we get out of here because – I think the strength of this group is their wide receivers. You've got a chance to watch them a little bit, E. Um, they got a lot of guys who transferred from other programs. USC, West yeah. Virginia. The leader, I think the leading receiver in the Big 12, actually, is uh, from U of H. He's Sam Brown. And he's leading the Big 12 in uh, receiving yards per game, I believe, in the Big 12. But Joseph Manjack, he transferred from USC. Uh, Sam Brown's a good player, transferred from West Virginia. Uh, Matthew Golden, I believe he just uh, committed to U of H. He's really fast. He's a speed demon. Sark would love this guy. Because he's all speed, man. He's got a ton of it. And Stephon Johnson Jr., he was uh, Oklahoma State, I believe, is where he uh, transferred from. They're good players. I talked to Jerry Hamilton about him. He said three of those guys were four-star receivers coming out of high school. So highly touted guys. As a DB, I can tell you that's where I think they're going to present some problems to Texas. They're a really talented wide receiving core, and they got Donovan Smith. You talked about E. Texas facing a pass first team for the first time against Oklahoma and how he gave that secondary some problems, gave his safety some issues. They were running a lot of slot fades, challenged the safeties and coverage. So a lot of things Oklahoma did to beat Texas, U of H will do. They won't beat Texas with it, but they will challenge Texas to see if they solve some of those problems in the bye week. Behind the burn orange curtain, Rod Babers all week long getting ready for Texas and Houston, the rest of the Big 12. It's a big weekend for the Horns to come back off that bye week and uh, clean up 
the issues that yep. cost them that Oklahoma game going down to the city of Houston. We'll come back when we do off the record, including, Rod, did you see the eclipse on Saturday? Did you see the eclipse? I didn't look right at it or see it because I didn't have the glasses, but I experienced it because the, the sky got so damn dark and yeah, weird cool. looking. Yeah, it was cool. really cool. Yeah. We'll pick that up. Also, <laughs> the other off the record topics on a Monday. Hook them up. Mega doo-doo. I'm sorry. Mangoo-doo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get they bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Yeah, it's a Monday, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but uh, off the record, good, bad, and ugly. Including the uh, eclipse on Saturday, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Bright blue skies on a cloud in the sky to be able to see the uh, the Ring of Fire eclipse. Ty, you were at ACL Fest. Did you get there in time to see the eclipse? No, I did not see it. Did not see it. That was like eleven fifteen. So you probably were sleeping. Yes, That's probably, that was probably pretty cool to be out there when the eclipse happened. Yeah, I don't know if the gates were even open yet at that point. Okay. But if you were outside anywhere, we were driving up to Denton, Rod, nice. and knowing it was going to come, we pulled off, and I could I. We're on 35, so I pulled off and a little uh, offshoot and stayed out of the way because they they had signs up on the you know the big digital signs that say and it said don't no pulling off the shoulder on the road for to view Come the on, eclipse man. get off the road that kind of stuff they knew it was coming but as you said it got real dark but I w- I had glasses on and then I could just open up my the the shade on my sunroof which I have oh yeah and it's very tinted. So, I mean, I could really just look look straight up at it. It was pretty cool. Nice. I mean, I didn't look for very long periods of time, but that's still not good for you. But, man, that was pretty cool. Uh, the Ring of Fire Eclipse. I did. I, I, I saw the sky get all dark. I didn't go try to That was the it. weirdest part, right? Because then you're driving. It's like, man, it's dark. Yeah, it was kind of freaky out here. It was, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Moment. Yeah, it was really cool. I agree. I saw my neighbors walking outside. Uh, all had glasses on and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Uh, all right, also on the bad side, sad to hear that Suzanne Summers passed away over yeah, the weekend. Yeah. Right? 76 years sad. old. Yeah. You know, in addition She's to being a star on uh, Three's Company, Back in the day, you ever like you? You're maybe too young for that show. I do remember I Jack remember Three's Tripper Company, and yeah. Three's Company. Mm, yeah, remember uh, that. one dude living with two ladies. Mister mm-hmm. Mister uh, Roper. Mister Roper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Did you know though that Suzanne Summers made three hundred million dollars with the the thigh master? Remember the thigh master, the oh, infomercial yeah. thing where she would do her thighs mm-hmm. and oh yeah, that squeeze was, that thing. That was a uh, that was like a I think it was like one of those infomercial sensations, right? Well, do you know she owned a hundred percent of that? Yeah, I think took off. The thigh master. And nobody, everybody had them in their house and nobody ever used it. That's right. It's one of those, everybody got, had one she and nobody ever used it. sold 15 million uh, devices at uh, nineteen ninety nine each. Mm. 300 mil. Good job, Suzanne. So became just a millionaire from one one invention. And did she invent it or was she just like George Foreman, they put her name on it and somebody else invented it? Her and her husband, uh, actually, Alan Hamill, I believe, invented it. Oh, good for them. Because she was big into... Uh, Fitness. fitness and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the thigh master. Uh, topped only by the George Foreman grill. In terms of infomercial no, sensations? The, yeah. Or the, or the shake weight, Rod. Oh, the shake weight. Oh, the shake weight. That thing. That, that was a great gag gift. You ever seen this? Because I think everybody got their friend a shake weight as a gag gift. Because using the shake weight, yeah, you can't looks, help but look like an idiot. Look like, yeah. You look like an idiot every time you use the shake weight. You did. And it was just funny to get it and then get it for your friend and force them to use it. And did it, did it do anything no. productive for your no. body? If it did, they'd be in weight rooms all across the country. They'd be college football programs with shake weights <laughs> in the weight room. No, that damn thing didn't do nothing. Can you imagine watching it do, do a, a damn thing. 
football weight room and you got a bunch of big dudes doing the, the shake weight. Shake weight. It just looks. Oh man, it didn't. Yeah, it did not look good. Watch. Hey, just do some do some push ups. It's Come not on, very man. flattering, man. I I don't know where I, I had one. Either either a friend of mine had one or somebody had bought us one way back in the day. We had one. It was hilarious. <laughs> Damn thing. It did not work at all. Well, it worked, but not for the purpose Shake that weight. they said it would work it's like, for. It's like in here back in the old days when we had that flashlight in here. Yes. <laughs> now, now, where did that go? That, that, I mean, that, that thing was a hot seller, too, I believe, if I'm not oh, mistaken. from right here in Austin, Texas. Yeah, I believe the uh, flashlight was a game changer. I think so. that guy lives out in Dripping or something. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. He moved to he a moved. bigger house <laughs> after that flashlight was a big-time seller. Uh, okay, how about this? Um, off the record, Taylor Swift. It is now estimated she could be raking in... And uh, a whopping $4.1 billion from her Eras tour. That's the number that's been thrown 4. out there. 1. And she got the new movie that came out on Friday. Yeah, the eye-popping figure would mean Taylor owns the most lucrative concert tour in U.S. history. In the process, she not only be, uh, you know, being obviously a an icon when it comes to her American presence, um, but, you know, internationally, I mean, she's a sensation as well, so. There you go. Taylor's estimated cut would be larger than the yearly economic output of 42 countries of that $4.1 billion profit. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what our cut would be, but I'm sure it would be substantial. By the way, we're going to have to hear this little bit of it coming up. But did you see on Saturday Night Live, they made their return and Keenan Thompson did Play. his uh, Deion Sanders. I saw that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Travis Kelsey made an appearance, too. A little so cameo. Did, yeah, so did uh, Taylor, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. She just she just introduced Ice Spice, I believe. That was her little cameo. But everybody lost. Travis Kelsey's kind of everywhere. He was actually in New York. His brother, of course, was playing the in Jets. New York. And they thought Taylor Swift was going to go, him and her and Travis, and they didn't because they were taping SNL. And they were seen at Nobu and some other clubs. Nobu. But not at the... J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets game. So, there you this go. Says, hey, guys, any uh, injury updates on the Longhorns? We'll get that today. Sark will have a news conference today at noon. Is yes, sir. 11 o'clock. And uh, I'm assuming we'll get an update on Ryan Watts, Jake Majors. Probably not good news on Jake Majors. We'll see. Uh, Cole Hudson, is he ready to come back? So, we'll get that at 11 today. Game week news conference with Sark. We'll have more of that as it, the day goes. Obviously, Patrick will have a lot on the, with the sports complex this afternoon. And we will certainly be giving you the injury updates tomorrow once we hear from the head coach today. Uh, also, recapping the weekend, Rangers, strong performance mm. last night in game one. Game two is going to come quick at 3 <laughs> o'clock this afternoon. Damn. <laughs> yeah, well, Ranger fans are happy. They played it and they earned it. They played great. Uh, we'll also pick up the Cowboys. Got to preview that game tonight. What a sports Monday you have. Two LCSs and Cowboys Chargers on Monday Night Football. We'll preview next on Hook'em Up.